Hidden Treasures Revealed, back for June 24th, looking for good stuff from Mother this morning. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, another Saturday. How you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great. Um, we were just talking. We've been getting some good rain. Maybe we can get our grass cut today or tomorrow. Yeah, we'll need that Sunday. Dry it out a little bit, but yeah, we'll take the rain. Mm-hmm. Take the sun, take the rain, whatever the weather is. Really isn't a bad weather day. There's only perceptions that make it that way because we need it all. So, And sometimes even a flood is needed, even though people don't recognize it. and It's there to just get people to lean and depend on God more than themselves. Uh, And it could be a flood of, it doesn't have to be a flood of water. It can be a flood of emotion or, you know, flood of uh, things happening in your life and just things to bring you to the point of seeking God with all of your heart. Uh, And that's the main factor. So on this morning, we're going to talk about death and mainly the aspect of why does death affect so pe- so many people for so long. And in the title, it's, you know, should I really be sad? And, uh, you know, that a lot of people are sad from death. And there's understanding from a faith perspective that needs to be told and taught to people so that they have a good recognition and an understanding of the realities of death and why people will linger in this, what they call mourning process for years. I mean, it's just, year after year after year they remain in a mourning process and that hinders their life and it hinders it greatly but they don't see it and they don't recognize and understand what's going on because again we talk a lot of times about the heart and the heart is the subconscious of a person 
and the subconscious is below the conscience, which means it's it's a part of your mind, but it's stuff that you don't have to think about. It's muscle memory. It's stuff that's been put in there over years and years of programming through things that you allow in, through subliminal messages from other people, from stuff on uh, the uh, airwaves. There's all kinds of different programming that you have. And people don't recognize why they feel like they feel. Now, they'll, they'll come up in their mind with some plan of, you know, well, I'm, I'm mourning this person every day because I don't want to forget them. Well, once you've known them, you're not going to forget them. And if you end up with Alzheimer's, you can't control that anyway. So it's not a fact of you're just going to forget them. You're making an excuse to remain in misery because that's where you think you need to be. Uh, and again, as we talk about this, the objective goal, I'm not, we're not really talking to worldly people and people who claim faith in God that really don't want the, the true faith in God that makes you face the realities of death and the realities of life as well and struggles and suffering and all the things that come along with a faith journey. And so it's really important that these things get talked about. And I happened to see a friend of mine posted something about a friend of his that I uh, had died back in 2010 and the way he posted it is he's still holding on to that and have a sister who's holding on uh, to mourning for a daughter that she lost. And I'm not minimizing the fact that you'll feel things because you've had that connection with that person for however long, you know, I've never met, I've never lost a daughter or a son at this point, but I mean, I've had people in my life pass before my, both of my parents, grandparents, I, uh, uh, people that I've, uh, young, young men that I coached football in whose lives were snuffed out. And it's a part of life that people live and people die. And so we really want to get into this mainly to get people in a place of recognizing you really need to be seeking God with all of your heart. You, you, if you want the best way to have peace, then seeking God with all of your heart, starting that, making it a mindset that you're never going to change it. You will always seek God with all of your heart. Then that's when God will, as you do, as you fulfill what you say, by seeking with all of your heart, then God will line you up with the gospel message. We can tell you what the gospel message is, but we can't walk you through it. We can walk you through it verbally, but until you discover each piece of it, and the only way you can discover it is by your relationship with God, not by listening to us and, oh, yeah, I accept. No, that's not how it works. You make a decision a conscious decision at each pivotal point in the faith journey 
And the first point is seeking God with all of your heart because that's what locks in the fact that you will know God by the end of it. And you will, uh, that's the one thing that will guarantee that you will have salvation if you're seeking God with all of your heart and accept the things of who they are and what they ask you to do. It's not just a blanket, you know, because somebody can set out to seek with all of their heart and then they see things that they don't want to agree with. Okay, well, at that point, you're going to stop seeking with all of your heart because you don't want to know anymore because you've just decided that you know better than God. And so we want people to know that it, it, it is just of the utmost importance that you figure out how to make the choice. Because it's not a matter of, well, when I when I get this, then I'll seek God with all of my heart. When I'm when I'm at this spot, I'll seek God with all of my heart. No, the reality is is that it's a choice. It's not something you have to have tons of knowledge to seek God with all of your heart. Now, in the journey of seeking with all of your heart, that's where you gain your knowledge to get to the point where you've got a decision to make. Am I going to die to self or am I going to just live for myself now, which will bring eternal death later on? I still have to make that decision in the process. So I have to determine I want the things of God before I can actually fulfill and then get to that point of circumcision of the heart because I decide to crucify myself with Christ. I decide to put my own selfishness to death. Then, and only then, can I have the circumcision of the heart. And it's really important that you, when you read the Bible, one, again, I'll say this again, and we've said this recently, and we'll reiterate it as we go, that the Old Testament is not an Old Testament, okay? It is the original Testament. The New Testament is not a New Testament. Yes, it's a testament about Messiah, but it is not scriptural. It's not scripture, and many people be like, oh my gosh, you're, 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 that's blasphemy because you're saying that the New Testament isn't scripture. It's not. They're letters written to uh, these various different churches to explain to them what the original covenant was saying and bringing about the understanding of the renewal of that old covenant. And so they're speaking to people who have already understood that the old covenant exists and that they need to walk in obedience to it. But they're teaching that, okay, now that you've set your mind to walk in obedience to it, because you want to be right before God, that's not going to save you because you, the letter of the law kills. It's the spirit of the law that allows you to live. And so the encouragement that I have for this morning for many, and this will help in the subject that we're going to touch on today is if you truly want to know the truth about God, Seek for God with all of your heart. But not only that, make your seeking 
an aspect of I'm going to seek God with all of my heart because I'm going to want the things that they want. And then don't worry about the other steps in the journey. Let each step come to you as it comes. It's like if you drive on a vacation, you you don't focus on the town that's three towns away. Focus on the one that you're going through today and or on on this part of the trip until you get to the next town. Then you can focus on that town. Because if you focus on where where you're not at, you're not going to be able to get to where you need to be. And this is hugely important with the gospel message because God will show you when it's time to move to the next step. You don't need man to show you. You, you have uh, the Bible that will give you insight into the steps of the gospel message and how to uh, move through it. But God will make it clear when you fulfilled the first one, when God has tested you in the seeking with all of your heart, then and only then will they lead you to the believing and believing in them. And when you believe in them, then that will lead you to the godly sorrow, having the, the, the sorrow for what you've done. And when we get into this, we're not making a statement here that people can't mourn. That, that is not at all what we're saying. It's okay to mourn. Two aspects that I'll mention about that is, one, what we mourn and how long we mourn. Those are two important aspects. And for someone who claims faith in God, they should know these things. And what we talk about today should not be a shock or it should not hit them like a ton of bricks. But unfortunately, because of the misteaching in the world, it will hit some people like that. The key thing is, is even if it hits you like that, if your mind is set to know the truth of God and you're seeking God with all of your heart, then you cry out to God, cry out for insight, call out for understanding. Seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure. And then you will find the knowledge of the Lord, for the Lord brings wisdom and knowledge. So you have promises in the Bible that God will do these things for you as long as you fill the stipulation. And if you're not getting the, the promise yet, then you haven't filled the stipulation. And so you just have to keep pushing forward and where you are. Don't focus on anywhere but where you are. Uh, this is where we have chaos in our minds because we're sitting at home and we're going over in our mind all the things that we have to do tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's not here. You're not guaranteed that you're going to have your tomorrow unless God comes to you and says, tomorrow I'm going to have you do this. Okay, well, I know I'm going to be here tomorrow. Aside from God telling you, we're not guaranteed another breath. And this is why the scripture says that 
Messiah comes like a thief in the night. It's not just when he returns because death from this world a lot of times comes as a thief in the night. You know, somebody's driving down the road and somebody else veers off, head-on collision, done. You weren't expecting that. You were expecting to live your the rest of your day and go into tomorrow. This is important stuff that people need to recognize and understand. And it will give you a greater ability to live in the moment instead of living in the future or living in the past. Because that's what people tend to do is they either live in the future or the past. And sometimes they try to live in the past and the future all at the same time. And all that does is just weigh you down with things that you can't handle anyway. You you can't carry that weight. And so, Sean, I'll turn it over to you right now for your any thoughts that you have uh, going through your mind right now. Yeah, just going off of what you just said, the secret to living in the moment is not staying in the past, but seeing the past and rending it and then knowing the future is how you stay in the present. So staying in the present isn't about don't think about the past and it's not about don't think about the future. It's a a beautiful balance of both. And Yah has been teaching us this is rending the past, meaning that you make a decision that I'm going to evaluate my past and look at it. I cannot change the decisions that I've made, but I can make a decision that I see the past and I'm not doing this again. I'm going to do this. Therefore, you have a future to focus on. And we're called in faith to have a, we are in a living hope of the future, which hope in God means something that is absolutely sure and guaranteed to happen. So what you must have is faith in Yah so that you know your, your future is set as long as you persevere and endure and the fact that you look at the past, you don't dwell in it and roll around in it, oh, woe is me. That's what gives you the opportunity to live in the moment because you're evaluating both. <clears throat> I'm going to take it back to something you said earlier that I was hanging on to as I was listening, that the best place to be in this and where people are not, and this is why it brings so much time and that quicksand of just dwelling in the past and not getting out of it is a lack of knowing. And I agree with you. It is not a removal of mourning. It's recognizing as the word says, there's a time to mourn. You know, there's a time to celebrate, etc. But when you know the truth, then you can put it in the proper perspective of the appropriateness of mourning Think of it this way, if you know by having true faith in God that what death and life is about, then you can know how the process works, how the gospel message works, so that you won't be stuck in the not knowing process. And you had mentioned uh, your sister, and just think about somebody in a situation like that. The reason that you keep on rehashing the same thing over and over is because you're, you don't know 
and you're attempting to convince yourself of something that you don't know. So find the place of true faith in Yah where you can know. And then when you know that's where your comfort is, that's how you can deal with the the morning because yes, you've had a relationship with a person for many, many years and in your lower conscience, you've got a lot of things there that will come up and you'll think about the times that you were together and the things that you'll miss doing. But if you watch somebody's life and you can see by the fruit of their life that they have the fullness of faith in God, they have circumcision of the heart, then instead of mourning for that person passing on, rejoice because that person has passed. And actually with circumcision of the heart, it mentions passing from death to life. Well, when you have circumcision of the heart, you've already passed from death to life. So you're living your life in the life of God. So therefore, when you go, when you leave the body, you're going to go to the place of paradise that's mentioned, which is Abraham's side. And you're in a place of paradise. So that person that has gone on, if you think about it from a truth perspective, and wow, I've watched that person's life. And from everything that I'm seeing, they're in that place of paradise. So they're with God. So what do I need to continue to mourn about? I'm going to rejoice that as long as I stay in the fullness of faith that I have, then I'll see that person again anyway. So yes, I'm going to miss this time, which is temporary, which is gone, but I'm going to be with that person in eternity and we'll get to share many more things for a countless number of years. But most of this is based in selfishness, not in selflessness, because I miss the person. I don't get to do the things I want to do. I miss the feel good. I, And it goes back to just the, in the lower conscience, you just have a selfishness that you, you're not getting what you want anymore because that person has passed on. And instead of evaluating for yourself, Am I living the things of God? Am I doing this right or not? You just continue in it. And how many obituaries have you seen? And I've seen a few of these online and who knows if they're made up or not. Most people, it'll say such and such went on to their eternal home. Such and such went to be with their Lord and Savior. Such and such went on here. And people don't even understand the process of how it works, but they do that to put people there to make themselves feel good because once the person passes on, they're in God's hands and there's not a thing anybody can do to change anything. And it's set and people just assume that somebody is, and you've heard this before, they're looking down from heaven and yeah, they're, they're racing cars in heaven. They're throwing the football in heaven and they're just with the brothers and sisters just playing and, and laughing. And that's just things that are contrived in your mind to convince yourself that you're okay that, well, yeah, they accepted Jesus. They lived a good life. They're okay. So they're in heaven and, and I feel good. And you attempt to convince yourself and you don't see it. You just attempt to convince yourself because you know you're living a life of death that you haven't repented from. And therefore you're suppressing all of that. And the best place to be, and you mentioned this, is to have that peace, which is peace, is a byproduct of putting chaos to death. That if you know from the word of God that you have the hope of salvation, then that will help you knowing if somebody died in faith that, yes, we are missing that person. I miss that fellowship, but I know that that person is going to be in the kingdom. And therefore, you know what? This is in God's hands. 
and I'm so fortunate to be able to be with this person for this time, but we'll see them again. And what happens with this is, is that people will get upset and mourn others, but you don't seek God with all your heart and find a place where you're mourning for yourself for which you've wronged God from that you've wronged God. You've sinned against God. You're not mourning for your condition, which is sinful to get away from that. And we were talking about this in our church gathering this past Wednesday of what's referred to as the B attitudes, which is appropriate. The B, which is the being godly and the attitude to have, of blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In this mourning, people will take the scripture and say, you see, God's allowing people to to, to cry and, and feel bad. So see, that's it. blessed are those who mourn. God will comfort you when you have a loved one that passes on. But what it's talking about is it's talking about the spirit of law. It's talking about the aspect of when you mourn for your spiritual condition and you know who you are before God and that breaks you, that you mourn for how you've wronged God and how you've sinned against them and you're utterly sinful and wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And that prompts you to turn to God and repent. Therefore, you will have forgiveness of sins in your repentance and you will be comforted. You will be given forgiveness of sins, but that's for a time for you to move forward in the faith journey to find where you hunger and thirst for righteousness, where you move on in those steps to be in pure in heart. What happens is people will take scripture and put it to what they want it to mean to make themselves feel good. Well, you see that God gives me comfort because I had a loved one pass on. I'm not saying that Yah is not going to comfort you. If a loved one passes on, they pass on in faith. Hey, it's okay. This person is with us. It's okay. You don't need to, to, I would say not necessarily cry anymore, but you don't need to keep rehashing this over and over again. Yes, there's a time for you to really feel it and go through it to deal with it. But hey, it's time to move on because Messiah even said, and if you claim to have faith in Yeshua Messiah, then you will understand his words when he says, those that believe in me will never die, that you'll fall asleep in faith, but you won't have that second death, which is the spiritual death, which is what he's talking about is you won't die, meaning you won't die a spiritual death to be put into the abyss. So be, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome death. So in me, you never will die. Yes, you will die. Meaning you've got to shed this body of flesh, but what he's referring to ultimately is the true death, which is a spiritual death, that you will not die, you will live. That's another encouragement. But what happens is, is that people claim they have a faith in God, but you don't have an understanding of the truth of God, and therefore you stay in this cycle of mourning, like you said, and you never find the true place of mourning, which is mourning for yourself and your sinful state before God, to get out of that so that you can escape death and then go to life. And this even goes right with what we talked about with the first covenant and then the renewed covenant is the first covenant is first. The renewed covenant is second. You you cannot go to the second before you go through the first. And Yah even gives a picture of you've got to pass from death to get to life. So you have to die to self first 
in order to live to God. The, the renewed covenant is about having the law written on your heart so that you can live to God because it mentions that you walk through the old covenant and, it, and, and the letter kills, that the ministry, I just looked at this, the ministry that brought condemnation has glory because walking through the first covenant is glorious. But how much more the renewed covenant, the work of mother, is even more glorious, but you cannot make it to the renewed covenant unless you go through the first. Messiah went through the first covenant. Why do you think he died the way he did? Because cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, meaning that you're under the law, you're under a curse. So he had to be nailed to a tree. And our spiritual death as well, we nail ourselves to the tree when we crucify ourselves with Messiah spiritually. The written code is nailed to the cross, which kills you, the letter kills. But now through resurrection from the dead, you now are brought into the second covenant, which is the eternal covenant, which is more glorious than the first, because it's by mother, it's by the spirit. Therefore, you live in God, you bear fruit to God now. So what needs to happen is you need to die here to self first so that you can live to God. But what happens is, is people live to self here first and they don't die to self. And therefore, when you die, you die to God and then therefore... All that waits you is the abyss. So this is a, what people need to have a recognition of is when you seek with all your heart, Yah will show you these things. But what happens is there's this a lack of understanding of what the truth of God is. It's an assumption of what the truth of God is because it's been mistaught and people have listened to the false teachers and become false followers. And therefore you're just stuck in this continual cycle of a morning or you'll see signs or you'll see things like that. And you, and you see, there it is, there's God working in, but you don't understand how Yah is working in this, but you just stay in this. And then you're going to end up, if you don't find true faith in God, you're going to end up where that person is in that place of torment. So I'm just seeing this fellow as, as a, it's because of a lack of understanding in the truth of God that people stay in that state of mourning and don't escape from it in a, a really, I guess, a healthy manner to move on from it. Well, and in the reality of it, it's ignorance of the word of God. And the reason I say ignorance, because a lot of times we, we misuse the word ignorant because, well, if somebody doesn't know they're ignorant. Well, the, the core of ignorant it, the ANT is the process of, but the core of that word is ignore. And you have it written down. You have a uh, copy of the scrolls in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the original Testament, the Testament number one that you have to go through. We have that written down so we can follow it and we can walk through it. But when we look at the Bible, that is professed by many to be the infallible word of God, then it brings into question, well, which Bible is right then? Because if it's infallible, then every single Bible that was written would be written the exact same way from the exact same understanding. And the problem again comes in between interpretation 
and revelation that you can take any version of the Bible that's out there and read it, but you can't understand it unless you have mother guiding you to revelation of what it means because there have been uh, things that have been translated wrong. Not saying that Paul spoke wrongly or Peter or the uh, areas that were interpreted differently, just like uh, with Paul when he said, I do not allow a woman to speak in church. He's, he wasn't referring to, he wasn't allowing a woman to speak in church because then he would shut the mouth of a prophetess and no, you let her speak. What he was saying, he was addressing an issue in Corinth that these people were uh, allowing women to have authority over men and that's not the design of God's plan and God's will. And therefore, I don't allow a woman to have authority over a man. If, if she wants to know something that she's trying to exert herself in to know an answer, she needs to do that at home with her husband, not in the gathering, because that's just a disruption. And it brings uh, arguments and quarrels, and that's not a part of the gathering. And so there are areas where mother will say, no, do you see this is not intended this way, is intended this way. But the only way you can have that is to have mother in your heart being the one to guide you, not having man guiding you. And again, you know, we talk about the truth and stuff that we talk about here. We're not trying to guide you in it. We're, we're, we're doing this aspect, one, because of all the garbage that's out there, and two, because we're, our hope is is that what you hear will spark within you a reality of truth, and then you will set yourself on the journey of seeking with all of your heart. Once you, once you seek with all of your heart to uh, find and know the things of God, then God will take care of the rest. You don't need us for that. Now, if, you know, there's questions or there's... Uh, things that you want to ask. We can help in the journey if you're seeking with all of your heart, but in order for you to have it, you have to discover each part of the gospel message and you have to discover circumcision of the heart and you have to discover the reality that there is no sin in circumcision of the heart. And because you have died to the old way, you had spoken uh, correctly earlier about the selfishness because mourning people will put it out that they're mourning for the other person. No, you're mourning for yourself because of your loss. And we've, uh, I, we spoke about this a couple Sunday evenings ago, uh, how the fact is that without faith in God, you cannot get away from your own selfishness. You think that you're doing good for people. You think that you're, you know, you go to church and well, you go and you work and you build this handicap ramp for somebody. And, and in your conscious mind, you're thinking you're doing it for the other person. But the reality is, is if you're honest with yourself and you really dig into it, you have a reason motivation for why you're doing what you're doing. And it's selfishness because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like 
you're worth something or it makes you feel like, well, yeah, I've, I, this makes me feel like I've got the, the things of God because we're supposed to go out and, and do these works. And that's not what it's all about. It, the issue that people don't recognize because it's in their lower conscience, because it's the programming within their lower conscience, it's they, they can't see it because it's in their lower conscience. It's in their subconscious from things from the past. And you had brought up the word rend, you know, to rend your past. And people need to know that to rend is to tear away from, like, like violently tear. When they talked about rending their clothes, when God said, or it was said in the word that they rended their clothes, it was kind of like a violent tearing, kind of like you would see the hawk where he turns into that green monster and he just one swoop, he rips the shirt off or whatever. And it's, it's that type of rending that is necessary in order for you to be able to get to a point where you can mourn appropriately because mourning in this life, if you don't have faith in God, is all about selfishness. Now, it's not intentional selfishness. It's programmed selfishness. And there is a difference. Sometimes, uh, without faith, you carry out an intentional selfishness. And a lot of other times, you carry out a selfishness that isn't intentional, but you do it because it's in your subconscious. And remember, your subconscious is where your muscle memory is. And so it's really important that people understand that you don't see without true full faith in God, circumcision of the heart. You cannot do anything but be selfish until you seek God with all of your heart and you get to the point where you're ready to crucify yourself with Christ, where you're ready to put yourself in a humble position, and it's no longer about me. This is why God says in the Bible uh, to humble yourself before people because it's a necessary step in the process. The selfishness that is involved has to die, and that can only die when you crucify yourself with Christ. After you crucify yourself with Christ, then you can go about and understand how to mourn. The The objective, and you brought this out of the mourning again, is think about where people would be the people who hold on to this mourning process for years and years, think about where they would be if they were seeking God with all of their heart and they were holding on to the mourning of their sin for that long. Well, if you hold on to it for that long, then you're not going to have to mourn your sin that much. And that's the aspect that Messiah was speaking about you appropriately brought up was that you're mourning the sin, your your disobedience to God is the mourning that Messiah said then you will be comforted from. It, he's not talking about mourning from a physical death. 
in this life because he even said to to one, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Let them take care of it. Once somebody dies, you can do nothing more or less about it. So if that person didn't have faith in God, let the dead bury the dead. He he truly did not, when he was talking about the mourning aspect and what they call the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about your mourning of your wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and nakedness before God. In an Old Testament, Scripture came to mind that shows us the appropriation of mourning and how you mourn. Now, it was still from a selfish perspective, but it gives you a picture into the reality of how to mourn. And the story is David with the uh, child born, the son born of Bathsheba, which that was uh, the sinful act that took place that he was uh, rebuked about by Nathan, that he when did he mourn did he mourn after the the child was dead or before no he mourned he mourned before the child was dead i mean he didn't eat anything he was pouring himself out to god he was you know don't let this child die but once the child died what more can i do we get up we go wash and we go eat it's What's done is done. I can't change that. And that should be the the mindset. And God understands that you have this within you. And the mourning process, God's not saying that you're not going to feel anything when somebody passes on. Well, if you've had a, con- a close connection to him, you're going to. But there's an older Jewish custom, and I don't know if it still stands today. i uh, just been doing some research before. And typically, the morning uh, time frame in the Jewish community was about 30 days. So you have people that come in, and they would even have people that would come in just for the purpose of weeping and wailing. And, you know, so you can get it out of your system, you know, weep and wail and do all this stuff, get it out of your system. And because the time frame was approximately 30 days. And then there was an expectation that, hey, life goes on. You, you can't change what's happened. You can't move that person from where they are. Their decisions have made that. Why are you spending so much time worrying about where they are, where they might be, instead of focusing on, what do I need to do now? And again, I understand that in the world that people aren't going to understand that they have this selfishness that causes them to hold on to this mourning and the mourning is for yourself. It's the woe is me because this person is gone. That person's gone. They have no, uh, no understanding of what you're feeling, what you're going through. And they have no, their place is set, whether it's in the uh, place of Abraham's side or on the other side, awaiting hell. 
you can't change where they are. That's in God's hands at that point. You go and live your life. Stop living in the past and live for today. Live for the people who are in your life today because life is too short. And it's usually when somebody passes that people go to the, well, if only I would have, or I should have, or I could have. Well, you're living in regret and don't live in regret. But I promise you that the only way that you're not going to live in regret is going to be making sure you have the fullness of faith in God so you can actually mourn appropriately. Because mourning is not intended to be a extended all your life process. Just like with David, once the issue was settled, there's no reason to mourn. Well, that's the whole concept of when you seek God with all of your heart and you get to the believing and believing in God for repentance, that's when you're mourning your wickedness towards God and you mourn that until you're crucified with Christ. That's the proof that you prove to God that you recognize who you are and that you're going to uh, do your best to stay away from this. And I don't, I despise myself and you prove to God that you despise yourself, then when you have that circumcision of the heart, then the old you has died. No need to mourn your sin anymore because you were a sinner, all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but circumcision of the heart, you do not sin. And now because you do not sin, you don't have to mourn, you get to rejoice. And so there's, there is a purpose for mourning and the mourning process in the physical with people dying is set for you to understand the mourning process that you must go through in the spiritual in order for you to have circumcision of the heart for you to be able to then rejoice and not mourn. And you rejoice even in suffering because of the faith that you have, you don't have to sit there in the woe is me. And if you, you're in a woe is me and you're in a state of perpetual mourning about someone who has passed on, then you don't have faith in God. And people won't want to hear that, but it's the truth. And some people don't want to hear that their family member isn't in, the, uh, isn't in heaven. And again, the mother speaking through you with the words of truth that nobody from this generation, from this earth is in the kingdom of God. Nobody except for Messiah himself. That is it. Hebrews at the end of Hebrews, it says that we were all, God had it planned so that we would all get it together. That's why you have this place of Abraham's side. And even Daniel at the end of Daniel Daniel, go, you will rest, and at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. In the Bible, we see aspects of people mourning for somebody dying, but we don't see a continual perpetual mourning for that person dying. There's a time frame, and 
because God knows that you have this selfishness within your lower conscience. They know that you're programmed that way, and they know that it's, it's good for you to get it out of your system. But for you to linger in it, well, that's just another avenue that proves you don't have faith. And I, I have uh, family members that would be appalled to think for, for me to say, um, I, I am pretty well convinced that my parents are not in heaven because I did not see a display of what I know the gospel message to be. Did they make an attempt of Christianity? Yes, but they didn't have what it takes uh, to be in the kingdom. Well, I could live the rest of my life weeping and wailing because of that, but what good does it do? They made their choice just like I have to make mine. And that sounds cold and callous, but it's a reality of truth. And even with uh, my, when both of my parents, when they died, I didn't go to the funeral and it wasn't a, my family members seemed like it was a, uh, like a intentional uh, thing on my part that I didn't go. And it's like, no, I've settled the issue with myself. One, even from being a little kid, I didn't agree with going to funerals. I, I went to one of my grandparents' funerals, and I only went because I had to go. I, I Because my thing was, I'd rather remember you like you were when you were alive rather than remember you laying in that casket. So that's just the uh, reality of it. You ever seen this? Uh, I saw this online yesterday. You're talking about funerals. You ever seen this? It says a celebration of life. Why do we not celebrate life and faith here instead of waiting till somebody dies where they can't change anything on where they are? And what it is, it's people getting around to make themselves feel good so that they don't recognize that they're going to be in death eternal if they don't repent to God. And I just thought about that that the person is already dead, but you're having a celebration of life to look back on the memories so that what you can feel good and the family of that person can feel good. Why? Because yeah, 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 they were good. Yeah. They're, they're with God. They were a believer. So everything, Oh good. Everything is good. And we get together and eat. And it's all about you making yourself feel good because shouldn't it be a mourning and a wailing of your condition before God because of a lack of repentance. And um, I had this stick out of my mind as you were speaking about David. What a beautiful picture of the gospel message in the beginning covenant that it shows you that's the spirit of Messiah in David of that falling on his face before God. And I just thought about Messiah in the garden that just that feeling the weight of it, not that he himself didn't sin, but he was carrying <clears throat> the sacrifice for sin that, but then if there's any other way, just let it be. But if not, you know, your will be done. And just, I didn't correlate that to David of when it was done. All right, I'm done with that. It's in the past. I'm getting up. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. I'm going to move on. And it made me think of Yah with the, what's referred to as the renewed covenant in Jeremiah, their sins and their lawless deeds. I'll remember no more because Yah has moved on from it with those people that because Yah's not going to keep a record of wrongs with you anymore because it, it's gone. Your sins have been taken away. Now, unless you 
abandon your salvation and you blaspheme, then there's going to be fire and judgment and that's what's waiting. But until then, Yah has gotten up. Okay. Then we move on that we're walking in this. And um, I don't know if you thought of this. I had this come to mind that we have a picture of Messiah where it says he wept. And it was about Lazarus. And I had this thought as we were just talking about this this morning. Are we really going to sit here and think that Messiah is just wailing and, and mourning for Lazarus dying? Well, he's walking in full agreement with Abba and Ima. He knows that Yah has the power to raise him from the dead. There's no reason to sit here and mourn and wail over his death. What came to mind was Messiah was giving a picture of actually mourning from a selfless perspective. He was mourning for Jerusalem, for the people of Israel, because... He's mourning for them. Why don't you understand? I told you that you would see the glory of God. Why are you not understanding? If you don't repent to God, you're going to end up being separated from the kingdom of God forever. Find your place to repent. And I just see him. He wept because they're not grasping the concept. Don't you understand that by faith, belief in me, you can escape death. You're not seeing it. And I just see him getting overwhelmed with that. I wouldn't say that he's burdened, but just a emotional aspect of if you would just get this, because if you don't believe in me, you're going to end up dead that I'm the way, the truth and the life in me. I am the resurrection. I'm the one that's making the way for you to have life. And I just saw this like, wow, he was actually giving a godly perspective of mourning because he even mentioned in a statement where he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you. Like I can't remember if it was a chick with her hens, but you were not willing that I've just put it out there and you were not willing. And it was from a, not a selfish, but he was just crying out for his people. And because what did he say? Lazarus come out because in me, you'll be able to have circumcision on the heart to where out of the grave, you know, Sean, Phil, whoever come out, take off the grave clothes because you no longer are in death. You're, you're walking in life now. So I just, I just motioned to you, I had that thought. I was like, wow. So we're given a picture and it didn't say that he was mourning. Like it says he wept, but when you weep, you have a deep sorrow. That's what mourning is. It's a deep sorrow, but think about it. It was a deep sorrow for the people that he came to speak to, to don't you understand? I'm the way to escape this, get out of your death, get out of this sinful life, believe in me so that you can be with me in the kingdom. So that, I just had that thought of, of that perspective. Cause people will say, well, see Jesus wept. So that means it's okay for you just to wail and more. No, but you got to understand from a truth perspective, he's not doing it from a selfish reason that all oh, poor Lazarus, he's just laying there and he's dead. And now the people that were around him were mourning that Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And as I like, didn't, I tell you that if you, you would see the glory of God, well, the glory of God is, the work of mother circumcision of the heart that you'll come out of the grave that that's so I'm mourning for my people that get away from this life of sin so that you don't stay in this grave and end up in the abyss. So that's where my thoughts went to on that. When, as you were talking, I had this aspect of the word come to mind and it's the proof that Messiah says in a faith perspective, there's no need to mourn for a death 
of somebody. You, you mourn for your sin, but don't mourn for the death of somebody. And again, I just want to reiterate this. If somebody in the world's listening to this, one, it's going to be hard for them to understand. But two, if you have no object of seeking God with all of your heart and to know the truth of God, then you do what you want with mourning. You, you, cause that, that's, that's your life. I'm not here to try to make you do something different. The aspect that we're bringing out is this is the life of faith in God. This is the aspect, another aspect of being set apart, being holy as God is holy. And Messiah even told his closest uh, friends, don't mourn for me. Now, he didn't say it in exactly those words. What he said was, don't hold on to me. Because they were, they, they didn't want him to go because, well, he's been there and don't hold on to me. I, I must go. And when I go, then I prepare a place for you. So Messiah understands that in a faith perspective, your objective of understanding mourning completely changes. So your mourning should be about your sin, who you are before God, and you uh, carry that mourning like David did until the issue is settled. Once the issue is settled in circumcision of the heart, then you can rejoice now because the sin is done away with. You no longer have to worry about that. But this is another factor. This is how you know you've died to that is you know that you don't have sin anymore. And again, people will profess that we'll all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is true. But all don't continue to sin because those who have true faith in God will follow what the word of God says, which is in him, there is no sin. So you must find that place of no sin. And so with this, that was just a, a beautiful aspect that Messiah himself spoke. And when he told the young man, go and, uh, or let the, the dead bury the dead, don't worry about them. You, you follow me. If your focus is on God, you're going to see the glory of God, which outweighs anything that you go through. But if you sit and you linger in mourning the death of somebody for one, two, 10, 15 years, what benefit is that? It's no benefit at all. It's almost like you're waiting for a genie to come out and bring them back to you. Oh, if I, if I just had them back, well, be careful what you wish for. Cause what if they came back, but they came back in the rotted decayed condition that their body's in at this point, then you'd be all wanting them to go back and go away again because you wouldn't want to stand with that stench. But if somebody who had faith in God came back, they would tell you that don't mourn for me. I can tell you for myself. When I die from this life, don't mourn for me. If you mourn, it's going to be for yourself because with the faith that I have and what I know, like you were talking about, this is about knowing your faith. What I know is I'm going to be in the kingdom of God. So whatever tear you shed when I pass from this life is not for me. I can guarantee you that. The only time you shed a tear for me is if I walk away from this faith. And then you can shed a tear for a moment because I 
blasphemed God and turned away from it. But aside from that, I'm going to see the glory of God. Don't mourn for me. So don't hold on to me because it's not going to do you any good. And that's the whole thing, regardless of where somebody is, once they die in this life, it's set. It is set. You can't change it. And for what, to what avail, what does it gain you to wallow in self-pity and selfishness to sit there and mourn somebody for years, even for a year. And, and again, I get the fact that you have connections to people, and that's a difficult thing. I get the fact that when my wife passes, I will probably shed a tear, but I can tell you that it's going to be a selfish tear. It's not because I know she has circumcision of the heart. I know that she's going to be in the kingdom, so I'm not mourning for her. If I mourn, it's going to be for myself, but I can promise you it's only going to be for a short time, and then we're going to move on because that's what life is about. Things happen, and you move on. In Hebrews, uh, I think it's in chapter 9, but uh, in Hebrews it says, a man is destined to live once and then face judgment, and that's the reality. Now, if you want to mourn for somebody who you know is not going to be in the kingdom, take some time, but then get over it because no amount of wailing that you do is going to change where they are. Anybody where they end up is going to be because they chose to be there. If they're in the kingdom of God, it's because they chose to walk the path necessary. And if they didn't walk the path necessary, then they're not going to be able to be in the kingdom. And so this is just a huge perspective. And I, I know that uh, for a lot of people, this will ruffle feathers because uh, they've been programmed so much to think that it's okay to mourn and it's okay to hold on to the the lost loved one but if they're truly a loved one wouldn't your mourning be about them and not about yourself but people don't see again just reiterating the fact that in your lower conscience you don't see that when you linger in mourning it's all about selfishness if people are honest with themselves and they evaluate every situation that they do without faith in God, without the circumcision of the heart, everything you do is still guided by selfishness. And this is why we say that you have to rend the past and you have to rend the subconscious, which is a violent tearing it apart and figuring out, oh, first you figure out, is this of God? No. Okay, now I'm going to rend. I'm going to rip myself away from that because that's not a good mindset to have. It's not a good attitude to have, and so I'm not going to have that. Obviously, if it's something that lines up with the truth of God and it's okay, I'm not going to rend it. I'm going to keep and hold on to it and cherish it because it's of God. But this is why it's so important to rend 
to tear apart your subconscious. This is where you dig into your lower conscience. You start figuring out why you do what you do. Because there's a lot of times when you'll do something and if somebody asks you, why'd you do that? You can't come up with a good answer as to why you did it. And so it's just really important for people to understand that without faith, everything you do is about selfishness because that's what the world is trained for. And God knew that. That's why God told people, love your neighbor like yourself, because you and your selfishness will do anything and everything that you think in your mind is best for you. Even if it's not best for you in the overall scheme, you've been programmed in your mind to think that it's best for you, and therefore you stay in it. Why do people uh, uh, get addicted to uh, cigarettes or drugs or uh, alcohol or because of these reasons? So the objective goal is when you're seeking God with all of your heart, mourn weep and wail. I mean, it, that's what the sackcloth and ashes was about. And the, the weeping and wailing that the Bible talks about. Weep and wail, you sinner. Well, why? Because of your wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and nakedness. Now, you mourn that and truly mourn the wickedness of who you are and prove to God, even though you will not be able to stop sinning, you prove to God that in your mind, I have said it, and I'm not changing this. I will fight this till the day I die. You prove that to God, you'll get circumcision of the heart, and you will get to see a beautiful place of no guilty conscience, no sin, and be able being able to rejoice in death. Should we not mourn at a birth? And from a faith perspective, mourn at a birth and rejoice at a death because the morning when somebody's born into this world is, oh my gosh, the wretchedness that this person's going to have to go through and the, the odds that they're going to choose God over self are not very good. And so we should mourn for that new baby that came into the world instead of we make it a big uh, rejoicing and, and we're all happy with it. We're bringing this baby into this wretched world that is continually getting worse in corruption more and more every single day that goes by. But then we mourn for somebody that we profess is in heaven. That makes no sense. We should celebrate that, wow, that person moved on. They're not in heaven yet, but they're at Abraham's side, and so they're slated for heaven. I'm going to see them again. If I have the fullness of faith in God, I'm going to see them again, and therefore, doesn't matter. So it's just, uh, there's a, a lot of important stuff with this, but go ahead, Sean. I'm going I'm to circle us back to the, people not understanding the truth of God. And that's where you get into these issues or not these, this particular issue where the mourning continues that we have the word of God that makes it clear what happens when people pass from this life. And it doesn't mention being in heaven. And it's going back to another Lazarus. We have the rich man in Lazarus 
And Messiah is giving a, a metaphor here of once you die, it's set. Because he says, the, the rich man and Lazarus, rich man, you had all the things that you wanted in your day and Lazarus didn't, and now you're in torment and he's in paradise. There's a great chasm that is fixed where we can't come to your side, you can't come to this side. And it's true that it's either you're at the place of paradise, which is Abraham's side, or you're on the place of torment waiting for the great white throne judgment where everything is settled. Those go into the abyss that weren't of true faith in God, and then those that were go into the kingdom. And I had not thought about this, but when you were talking about you want the person, you're, you're mourning for that person, you want them back. Think about the rich man and Lazarus parable. You think you're getting back the same person that died and they're going to be the exact same and everything will just go back the way you wanted it. Not realizing that that person comes back and is, look, why don't you change your life? You need to repent. I'm where I was that if you don't repent, you're going to end up in this place of torment. And well, no, they would come right back the way they were all the fun. No, because what did the rich man do? No, please send somebody back. If you send somebody back, they'll repent. So I'm seeing this as a, it, it's a different side where you think your life is going to be just the way it was all great, but no, that person coming back would be all over you. And I could see through the programming, get away from me. You're not the person that was here. I don't want you around me. Wait a minute. You said you wanted me back and I'm telling you where I was. If you don't repent to God, then you're going to end up here. Don't tell me that you're not get away from me. Also, you want me to go back where I was and, and you know, the, I'm not going to get into more detail, but the situation with your family that you think that if they were to come back, that they would be the, no, this person comes back. You're not going to like it at all. And you would reject and put them out just like people have put us out of our family. But you think because it's the programming, it's the selfishness that it'll be like it was how many years ago. And, and from what we've talked about that it would not be that way and you wouldn't like it. And this person would be with us and you would be extremely upset and take it a completely different way. But again, that's the programming of you think it's going to be the way you want it because it's, it's based in selfishness. It's not what's best for that person. Do you realize leave them where they are? It's, it's best for them to stay where they are and not you, because you think that if it's back, then, because honestly, is it going to be better for me or is it going to be better for everybody else? And it's, well, it just, I'm just upset. And, and I going back to what you had said that I'm not as well removing sadness and you miss the person, but this is a, once again, those that are pursuing seeking God with all their heart, that the, the faith journey is about let the people that are dead, which in Messiah spoke correctly, let the dead who are spiritually dead, bury the dead, leave those people alone. You, you can't raise them from the dead that they're going to live in the world. They're not going to pursue God. Leave those people alone. Let, let the dead people deal with the dead people. You follow me. you you walk in the path of life. Forget about all this other stuff and follow me. Leave that in the past. What can you do for somebody else that doesn't want it? You can. So if you're going to think about it, if you're going to follow me, then you've got to die to self, die to all this stuff, and 
now come follow me because you're leaving that life behind. Those people that are living in, and they're already dead spiritually anyway, they're already dead. So quit being concerned about what they're doing. If you're going to put your hand to the plow and not look back, that that's the way of the kingdom. Don't be looking back. Quit worrying about the dead that are behind you, that you can't change anything. All you can change is yourself. And how refreshing would it be to go to a funeral and somebody says, this funeral isn't about this person. This is about everybody here. Have you repented to God? Do you want to end up in the place of the abyss? Do you want to end up in a place of torment? Because where this person is, it's set. You can't change it. But it's not made about that. It's made about, well, we'll make you feel good. And and it's glad to have everybody here. And we're just celebrating the life of that person. And that person has no idea what's even going on. And it really is a waste of time. It's just like you living in resentment or frustration. You're just wasting your time living in, in this mourning process that doesn't change anything. It ju- it's just like the lack of forgiveness we just talked about. It Living in a cycle of mourning hurts you and hurts others. And the person that's dead, they're not, even, they're not affected by any of this stuff. So this is just a way to get out of chaos that peace being the byproduct of putting chaos to death in faith in God, we're able to escape this perpetual mourning so that we can live in peace and not be rehashing something over and over again, that nothing can be changed with. And that's what spoke to me about the parable is that that chasm is fixed, that once that's done, you cannot change either side other than if you're still living, find the law and the prophets so that you will end up on the side of Abraham and not on the the side of death. And that just tells me again that no matter what you tell to somebody, don't shove this truth in people's mouths. Just put it on the table because when somebody discovers the law and the prophets, they will find the truth of God. It's not, we could tell you and tell you and tell you, but if you listen to the first covenant and walk in it, then you'll find the second covenant and you'll be able to live in that. And we had talked about this, that you have to go in order because sin is in the heart and you cannot go and deal with the heart issue first until you do the mind first, because the heart, you can't get sin out of the heart. Only mother can do that. So you have to circumcise your heart, which is your mind first. You have to put yourself to death so that then mother can come in. So the process has to go in the order that it's made and any kind of circumvision, um, circ- circumnavigating of that. It's just like, if you try to enter any other way into the sheep pen, then through the door, you're a thief and a robber. You can't climb over the wall. You're not able to get the spiritual part of it first because as the word says, passing from death to life, you've got to go through the first covenant first in order to transfer across the Jordan river, because you don't start on the other side of the Jordan and then go to the other side. You have to start in the desert and then cross the Jordan to get to the other side. Yeah. And just a, a quick thought. Um, and we probably brought this up before, just as you were going over the rich man and Lazarus again, uh, that was a parable that uh, Messiah told and it's another piece of proof that proves to you that what the 
what we call the New Testament is really just them explaining the original testament of God. And we should stop again calling the Old Testament the Old Testament and call it the original testament because uh, in that story, the rich man is told, he's not told, this is what he's not told. Well, your people will have this thing called the New Testament. Uh, and they if they follow that, then they'll they'll find faith. No. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. prophets. Let them believe them. And anybody who believes in the Old Testament doesn't mean you understand it all, but you believe in it. That's your repentance towards God is you believe in it, which means that I believe everything from God is right, fair, true, and just, and I believe in that. Well, if you believe in Moses and the prophets, then you will seek with all of your heart because it's written in Moses and the prophets, seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. And so this is all has to do with the original covenant. And you have to understand the original covenant. You have to walk through the original covenant to walk in obedience to God to the best of your ability, but don't do it thinking that you're going to do it perfectly and earn a place in the kingdom. Do it knowing that it leads you to the place of recognition that it is impossible for me to fulfill this. I cannot do this alone. And then you seek after Messiah uh, because you've repented to Abba, then you seek after Messiah, and Messiah brings you to mother. Uh, there's another aspect that rolls up in the selfishness of the mourning process when we talk about people dying, and that's fear. It's fear and knowledge, okay, which they they, in this aspect, they work together. Part of why people mourn as long as they do, is because in their lower conscience, in the core of who they are, this is programmed within your within your human condition that there is punishment for those who disobey God. So deep down within you, you know that person that passed on. You either know that they had true faith in God, which gives you a reason to rejoice, or if you linger in mourning, for that person that died, then you and your mind know that they're not going to be in the kingdom. And so you're mourning that they're not going to be in the kingdom, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the lingering aspect is the problem. And then you recognize through fear in your subconscious that your fate is the same. This is why people tell themselves the lies of, yeah, grandma and grandpa are standing up there in heaven, just staring down at us. And, you know, they're watching over us. And no, scripture makes it clear that nobody's entered into the kingdom from this generation, from this earth, that nobody has entered in except for Messiah. The rest of them are in a holding pattern until it's complete. And then once it's complete, then everybody will face the judgment. And then, and only then will those who are going to enter in will enter in together. Everybody getting it at the exact same time 
which is a beautiful aspect of how right, fair, and just God is, that nobody will gain it before anybody else, only Messiah himself, and he had to go to prepare that place for us. And that's scripture. That, that, or that's not scripture. That's what they, is written in the Hebrews, and that is reiterating what Daniel was told, that go and rest. You'll rest with your fathers, and at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So recognize that what we call the New Testament is not the scriptures. It's an explanation of the scriptures, and I promise you, I promise you that all the writers of those books would say, listen to what we're saying, but recognize that this is not a new testimony about God. This is testifying to the original that when you make the transformation from death to life, then you have all this glorious stuff. And the problem in the world that we live in today if Messiah in his day said only few will enter, just like the camel going through the eye of the needle, that only few will enter the kingdom of heaven, how many more few will it be in this day? And people linger in the aspect of whether they're going to choose faith or whether they're going to seek with all of their heart. And the reality is, is that what understanding that people need to have is the longer you wait to seek God with all of your heart, the more the odds are against you that you will ever actually do that. Because what are you waiting for? There's nothing that you need to wait for. It's already been laid out. It's already been set within the Old Testament. What are you waiting for to seek God with all of your heart? Don't worry about how long it may take you to get to circumcision of the heart. You just worry about seeking God with all of your heart to know the truth of God and to be a part of God's uh, kingdom and let God guide you on that path. Now, with what indignation, longing, and alarm you go after it with will determine that you can move through it quicker, but just use that don't use the indignation, longing, and alarm to skip to the next step. No, use it in the step that you're in. You set your heart in absolution. I'm going to seek God with all of my heart, and I'm going to find this place of circumcision of the heart. I'm going to be there. Well, make sure you hold on to the seeking with all of your heart, because when you make that that uh, vow, one, God's going to demand it of you, but Two, you have an enemy that says, well, God's going to demand this of you, but we're going to do everything we can to put uh, obstacles in your path. And that obstacle may be a child. It may be a wife. It may be a a husband. It may be um, a friend. It may be a job that you've you've got choice. You're going to continue to follow God. And the, the key is, is if you make the decision to seek God with all of your heart, then you make sure that your mind is set that God is first. You let God worry about everybody else, and that's with family, friends, jobs, houses, vehicles. doesn't matter because your objective goal is you want to find that true faith in God. You want to be 
on their side and you want to be in their kingdom and therefore you're willing to pay whatever it costs. And if you're not willing to pay whatever it costs, don't put your hand to the plow because you're going to look back. So part of this is an evaluation of these are the things of faith. And it's not a difficult journey to get to circumcision of the heart. But once you reach circumcision of the heart, then your difficulties become easier because now you have a greater ability to carry the weight that come with it, that you're carrying the yoke and the burden of Messiah, which is freedom, that you have freedom from sin. You don't have to carry the yoke of sin. And so it's a beautiful thing. The objective goal is just make a choice. Stop lingering in what might be or what might happen you either decide you want the things of God or not and and do it now do it appropriately just like Joshua had brought up the aspect of choose this day whom you will serve my choice is already made is what Joshua is saying as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord and If you're going to try to be in my house and you're not going to serve the Lord, guess what? Get out. That's the reality of it. Now, the objective goal is that you're doing that in your mind. This is not a mean aspect towards somebody, and this isn't necessarily an aspect of you throw everybody out of your house. No, what I'm saying is, is the house I'm throwing everybody out of is my life, my conscious mind that if you're going to fight against this, that's that's between you and God, but I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm going to live what God wants me to live, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you think, regardless of how this affects you. Because the best, the best you can be for your wife, your kids, your family, your job, is for you to have that attitude and that will put you in a position when you have circumcision of the heart to be able to have the best ability to help your family by your example of living faith, not by you telling them what they have to do and how they have to do it. No, be the example, just like Paul talked about with the, the wife and the husband that, you, you live the life of God and let that be the thing that speaks to the husband or the wife. And at first, they're not going to like it. The, the kids, they're not going to like it at first. You can't control that. But in the reality of it, if they don't end up in heaven, that's not on you anyway. The only burden that you have for who's going to be in heaven is you. And if you know that you're going to be in heaven, then go ahead and mourn them now. Mourn them now for a period of time. All right. Well, now it's time to move on. Uh, I'm not going to mourn it anymore. And you have hope that if they follow the same path, that they will have salvation. But I can't just blanket, well, I hope that this person's going to uh, just have faith in God. Well, 
my hope, which is a guarantee, is based in the fulfillment of the promises of God. If these people fulfill the promises of God, they fulfill the stipulations for the promises of God, they will have the salvation that we have. They will have the circumcision of the heart, the living a life with no sin. And again, you can't understand this until you've been where we've been. We can say, like the the thing with my cousin, him putting it to you sin, you just don't uh, you just don't admit it. No, you have no idea because you've never been where I've been. I've been where you are, and I know that I go that there's more than that, and I can go farther than that. So you can't tell me what I do and don't do. I didn't tell him he sinned. I asked him if he sinned. He's the one that professed and said he did. And then tried to put it on me as though I do. Yes, I have sinned in the past, in the past, but I don't sin now. And that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful place to be. And if I had to urge somebody in anything, it is stop waiting another moment before you set your mind and your heart in absolution, steadfast, with grit and determination, to seek God with all of your heart to know the truth. And then remain in that until you see the day of circumcision of the heart. That is my, because again, like I said, as time goes on, fewer and fewer people are going to have the opportunity to enter into the kingdom because of their own choices. And if you don't do it now, the odds are against you for tomorrow. And if you don't do it tomorrow, the odds are double against you for the, the, the next time. And every time it enhances because the moment and the time that Messiah is going to return on the clouds is not in a time frame like we understand May of this, of this year. No, it's going to be in a time where God says, okay, we can see that all of those that are going to choose to have faith in us, that are going to choose to seek with all of their heart, all of them have done that. There is nobody else who is seeking the truth, and now it's time for Messiah to return. It, it's not. That's why only Abba knows the time, because it's not a set time of uh, month, date, year. It's a set time of this is what it looks like. And when that happens, and as we get closer to that, the sad reality is, is that it, more and more people are not going to have, or not, not that they're not going to have the opportunity, but they're not going to take the opportunity. And the more you linger in that, the more you stay in that, the more the odds are that you're not going to find this faith. And so my encouragement, my uh, desire for people is make the decision. Choose this day. Choose right now whom you will serve. And then go at it wholeheartedly. If you choose to serve the gods beyond the river, you choose to serve the enemy, then by all means, go ahead. But do it wholeheartedly. But also, if you choose to serve the God of the universe, the God of the world, the God of all creation, then choose this day 
and serve him and serve him completely, fully, and wholly, regardless of whether you understand it or not. That's my urgency for anybody that would listen to the podcast and the truth, because that step of seeking God with all of your heart is what lines you up to receive the promise that you will know God. And as long as you continually seek God with all of your heart to know the truth about God, you will live long enough to see the day of circumcision of the heart, even if it comes at your last breath, like the thief on the cross, that he crucified himself with Messiah. The other thief was the one that chose he's going to serve the gods on the other side of the river. But the one thief, just remember me when you're in paradise. Look at the humility. You know, well, yeah, I did this, so take me with you when you go into your kingdom. No, just remember me. That's the humility in the aspect. And so that's the objective goal. Seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. Draw near to God and they will draw near to you. Flee from the enemy and they will flee from you. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the moment of choice. Don't push it off. Don't linger. Because it is only going to be a detriment to you. I was just sitting here and this guy dropped on me and it was a good Yah dropping this on me to I had not <clears throat> recognize the patience of Yah and how patient Abba and Ima and Yeshua are. But I was taken back to the original covenant and Yah gave us and able to see this now by mother that the patience of God of the story of Abraham and Abba and Abraham pleading for the people, if there's 10 righteous, five righteous, don't destroy it. And if there's so many righteous, I won't destroy it. And even got down to if there is one righteous person, I will not destroy the city. And it made me think of Abba looking and in their patience over many years that even if there's one person that's seeking with all their heart, that's on that journey that Yah will not have Messiah return. So the patience of God so that people can come to repentance is don't take advantage of the kindness of Abba because his kindness has opportunity for repentance that he gives people time even to one person. And that doesn't mean, well, I can just wait around. No, it just means that it's so important that when the eyes of the Lord look back and forth over the whole earth and they see that no longer is anybody diligently seeking them, that that's the time of return and it's not a, okay, it's time to go. And well, do you want me to go now? Or, okay, now's the time to go. And he comes back, begins the thousand year reign. And then once the thousand year reign is over the great white throne judgment, then those that have died in faith that were with Messiah, that you get to go into the kingdom to be perfected. And I was just thinking about that, that what Messiah did the renewed covenant didn't come into being until he died. 
and was resurrected. So he was walking the original covenant even up to death because he made a statement as what's referred to as the quote, the last supper. This is the renewed covenant in my blood. So my death is going to bring in a change of the law because I was sitting there thinking about this. You mentioned Hebrews when there's a change of priesthood in necessity, there has to be a change of the law. It's not a doing away with the law. It's not nullifying it. It's a change from the worldly, the physical to the spiritual. It's not a doing away. And like he said, that not one stroke of the pen of the law will ever go away. It's a change of the law where no longer are the blood of bulls and goats a part of this priesthood, but it's the blood of the spotless lamb, which is Yeshua that brings in the new priesthood. So you have to walk through the old, you've got to sacrifice yourself like him so that then you can then be transferred to the renewed part of the original covenant, which is a greater, more glorious covenant because it's eternal. And as Hebrew says, it's built on an endless life. It's not on the blood of bulls and goats. It's not built on a priesthood where the men will die, but it's the power of an endless life. It's the spiritual, the eternal covenant that is, um, came about in the order of Melchizedek, which Melchizedek is mentioned as King of Salem, King of righteousness, that that priesthood, which is a heavenly priesthood is far greater than the Aaronic uh, priesthood, which was, but that had to come into being because that's the first way, which was a shadow of the new. So Messiah was making the way to get to heaven. So once he made the way, now we are called to walk as he did to be a kingdom of priests, as it mentions, but it's a minister of a renewed covenant is what we're doing. We're ministers of the renewed covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. But the but people have to walk through the letter first. But our ministry is the spiritual aspect to and the physical, both, but we're the ministry of mother is referred to as more glorious because it brings eternal life as opposed to a, it, well, with, with the original covenant, you had the sacrifices, but there it's built on greater sacrifices. So I was just sitting there thinking that we don't do away with one part or the other. It's a bringing of the two together that you, to make it complete, you have to start in the original to get to the renewed, but then you stay in the covenant until death and even after death and you go to the kingdom, you're still in covenant with God. So it never ends. So it's just a, it came to mind of a not doing away with the law. It's just a change of the law from the physical to the spiritual. Yeah. With the aspect of fear that was brought up, Fear has to do with punishment. And so people know that when other people die, that they want to put them in heaven. That's the lies people tell to make yourself feel like, well, if they're in heaven, then certainly I'll be in heaven uh, because I think I live my life better than them anyway. But you've have you ever been to a funeral where 
it was professed that, well, that person's in hell now. Now, that may happen on occasion, but generally in faith circles, they're not going to be professing that, well, that person didn't live a life of God and they're, they're, they're going to, more than likely, they're going to end up in hell. Now, I'm not going to put the final condemnation on them because that's up to God to do, but they didn't live a life that was uh, worthy of God, and therefore, they're not going to be uh, in the kingdom. Now, if I, I maybe I missed something, and there was a point where they did have the repentance uh, fullness and had that circumcision of the heart, uh, but you can tell by their deeds. They, the Bible says, these are, this is how we know who the children of God are. Well, it's those who live their life like God said. And you brought up Messiah and his death on the cross and uh, with the law, that he followed the law up till he, his death on the cross. I mean, even the, the Passover celebration of the, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, that was he was celebrating the Passover that was deemed that you need to do in the Old Testament. And this the thought came back to me about when he spoke to the people about eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. And this has been a, a big misunderstanding from a lot of people. And even the people in that day were like, oh, so we're, we're going to be cannibals. Oh, my gosh, he wants us to eat his flesh and, and drink his blood, and that's not what he was talking about because he was giving the spiritual perspective and understanding that in order for you to eat of my flesh, okay, the, the, by the, in the, the Bible it says uh, those who claim to be in him must walk as he did, okay? So walking as he did means that you walk through the old covenant or the original covenant in full obedience to God to the best of your ability. You're going to falter. You're going to fail. But you walk in that. Uh, that's you eating of his flesh because that's exactly what he did. He walked in obedience. What did he say? I do everything the Father tells me to do. And so he's walking in the full obedience of that covenant. Then the drinking of his blood well, when did he pour out his blood? When he was crucified on the cross. And so your drinking of his blood is when you sacrifice your life and crucify yourself with Messiah. And remember, the, the written code is nailed on the cross. So when Messiah went to the cross and died, the written code for him was nailed to the cross, and then it transfers to the spirit of it, where for us, when we crucify ourselves with Christ, we put to death me. We put to death the three worst enemies of who we are, me, myself, and I. We put that to death. It gives us the ability to care for other people. Okay, We've crucified ourselves with Christ, so we've drank of his blood, and therefore we then we transfer to the spirit of the law, the original covenant remains, but then there's a spirit of it. Messiah is the Lord of the Sabbath, so he carries that out. And we follow in that aspect that when we have the fullness of faith, we've entered into that Sabbath rest. It's not a day, but it's a state of being that we're constantly in 
uh, state of rest that we must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. We must walk the life that he walked, which was Old Testament obedience, not for the aspect that you're going to gain it, that you're going to gain something. That's all bringing you up to the point that you're broken to recognize, I can't obey all of this. I'm done with myself. I'm yours, God. I, I No matter what it is, I agree with it. I'm going to do it. Whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. You die to yourself. That means you've put yourself below other people, and that's below people who aren't in faith. That's below people who uh, do you wrong because, you know what, I was just like they are, and you had mercy on me, so I'm going to have mercy on, on them as well. I'm not going to be the unmerciful servant that you show me mercy, and I'm not going to show mercy to somebody else because then I won't have that entrance into the kingdom. And so it just brings in the factor that you have to die to self. And when you die to self, yes, that's going to put you in a position where it's not always going to feel good at the time. But in circumcision of the heart, it's the best place to be because now you get great knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Without circumcision of the heart, we wouldn't be able to be do, doing this podcast from a truth perspective and an understanding that we have to be able to speak this truth. And so it's just uh, important. And as we look at the topic of death, it's tough for people to understand how you're supposed to handle death because they haven't been taught in this day and age that what death is about and why it's there. Well, death is there to show you that you're not going to live forever in this life and you need to settle. You need to settle your eternal life while you're still breathing here. And how can you settle that? Well, I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to seek God with all of my heart. And unfortunately, most people, it's going to be too late before they, because they're going to die in this life. And well, I can't choose now. I'm stuck. Why wait? Why take the chance? Even if what we're saying were to be craziness, why not? assure to the best of your ability that you're going to have it because the the only thing that people can bring against the truth that we're speaking against us y'all have gone too far with this you're taking it way too far well is god going to condemn me for taking the truth a lot farther than somebody else rather than not taking it far enough because until you walk where we've walked you can't understand this we've walked where you've walked i've been through christianity and i know with factual knowledge that that's not the base that's going to get you into the kingdom you will 
when you have circumcision of the heart, you will renounce that Christianity, not from a hateful perspective, but from a reality of truth perspective. That, no, they just sit there and they try to coddle and make you feel good, but they're not teaching you what's necessary for salvation. And if I'm persecuted for teaching the truth, what, what, what harm is that to me? No harm. Because I would rather be persecuted for teaching the truth than to keep my mouth shut and not help anybody, which would mean that I don't have faith, and therefore I've sacrificed or surrendered for nothing. It's all come to an end that is not beneficial. And it's a it's an understanding that is difficult to stomach, especially for people who know that they've been mourning things. And it's not just death that people mourn, divorce. And not just the people who go through the divorce, the, the, the uh, couple, but the kids involved and the friends involved. And it's the ripple effect that you don't realize because you're so focused on yourself. And here's a, here's a piece of information that's important for people to recognize. And I've seen this and I've said this before. People get divorced from somebody that they've been with, that they chose to be with. They get divorced from that person and then they start feeling lonely and they seek somebody else out. And they find somebody else to date or to, and inevitably, they, they may even get married again. And inevitably, what they don't see because they can't see within their lower conscience, that that person, that second person or that third person or that fourth person is exactly like the first. Now, there's some similarities, but the things that you despised that they had, they're hiding those at the beginning and you're going to get trapped in a marriage relationship, and then you're going to end up in the exact same position because you don't recognize that your programming is to find somebody exactly like the one you left. And if that's the case, stay with the one you're with and figure it out. Make it be the best that you possibly can so that you don't have to mourn a divorce in the midst of the process. But Anybody walking in faith has to be prepared that maybe their spouse may want to get divorced. I know it was threatened for me. It was threatened for you. It was threatened for other people in our gathering. It didn't come to uh, fruition, but the threats are there. Why? Well, because you need to be tested to see, you know, uh, my mindset was, I'm not getting divorced. I don't care what, if, if somebody were to go and get the divorce papers and I uh, go through the process, I'm not going and I'm not signing the papers. That, that's just the fact of it. That's the way it is. I'm not going to do it because I don't believe in divorce. But if you want to leave, then I'm going to be peaceable, like Paul said, and 
you go ahead and you leave and don't worry about it. It's not what I want, but if that's what you choose, then that's what you choose. That's just the way it is. So just really interesting as we uh, talk about this stuff. And Sean, do you have anything else? I just got just revelation on the, the scripture that came out of my mouth that y'all helped me to piece it together. Remember when Messiah, they'd asked him, he's like, I'll go with you wherever you go. And he says, can you carry this cup that I've been baptized with? And it made me think of, he says, he took the cup and he says, this is the renewed covenant in my blood. And I, it just made, I got the correlation of, okay, so when you die his death, like he did, then that brings in the new covenant, the renewed covenant. Like you, you have to die like he did in order to transfer to the renewed covenant. You cannot do it any other way. You don't make an acceptance of something to be in the renewed covenant. You've got to walk the original covenant up until death and the written code is nailed to your cross. Then just like him, because you drank of his blood, you died his death and therefore you are then transferred into the renewed covenant and I just correlated that together that that's what he was saying is that I'm I'm making the way into this renewed covenant and then you do the same thing as I did then you will be then brought in it's not because I do it then you're just there no because he did it a doorway was open so now I get to die his death and then interesting how the spirit of the law is not nailed to the cross it's the written code so that's another proof you have to go through the original first because you're not, if you die to the spirit of it, then you're completely lost. You're not going to be, that's the blasphemy of mother is you. Wow. So that's you taking the spirit of the law and trying to nail it to the cross and you're not going to blaspheme my beloved. So no, that's not, you're putting Messiah to an open shame there. And no, that's not tolerated. That's defiance. So get away. So I just, just a, um, just to say for my portion of this for this morning, that, 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 that is what Messiah is talking about. He's not saying you accept me as Lord and Savior. I'm in the new covenant. No, you've got to die to yourself completely so that you can then, because it said a Messiah, he died for, he died so that he could then live to God. And that's the thing. The renewed covenant is where you can live to God because it's in the heart, not sin is taken out. So now you can bear fruit to God. That That's the point of it. So that's what I had. Well, actually, good place to bring this podcast to a close because again we could probably go on for hours just like with every other topic but it's a good place to uh, stop in the aspect of speaking about death uh, and so I just want to put out there again we have a uh, Facebook page that if you want to contact us through messenger I uh, Hidden Treasures Revealed on Facebook. We have a uh, Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com uh, for email. And I just want to encourage anybody that if you're listening and you're getting stuff out of the podcast, uh, you're getting truth, that you take a moment and just share it on, if you have social media, just share it on your social media page and that just helps the distribution of it. But Mother's been doing some great stuff. We've got uh, you know, over 2,600 people have listened. Uh, so at least 2,600 people have heard the truth of God, some aspect of truth, uh, and it's reached 
uh, many different countries that we don't, you know, we don't pursue to reach those countries. It's just that people listen in and they uh, listen to it. So we just asked that uh, if any of these podcasts, as you listen to them, that they're speaking to you, just go on your social media and just share it so that others have an opportunity to hear the truth. Uh, with that being said, we're going to finish for t- this morning and hope everybody has a blessed day, blessed week, and we will be back on Tuesday evening at 7.30 and we'll see what Mother has in store for us. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.